Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace, your amazing grace. We want to ask you to give us open minds now, open hearts for what you have to say through the reading and the message. Uh, please uh, prepare us and uh, help us to put into action what we learned this morning. Amen. Please feel free to take a seat. This morning we come near to the end of the letter to the Ephesians. And so we turn to Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Well, hi, I'm Brian Harris, pastor at Lodge here, and my privilege to bring uh, this closing passage from Ephesians chapter 6 today. Now, I don't know if you're a bit of a history buff, but if you are, you, you might remember that it was when Poland invaded, uh, oh, sorry, when Poland invaded, when Germany invaded Poland, uh, that the Second World War was finally precipitated. And it was the um, almost terrible sight of seeing the Polish army, which was really just based around cavalry, trying to fight against tanks and, and aircraft and being absolutely annihilated in, in a matter of days, that that, that image has always been a, a somewhat haunting image of a country that uh, sort of thought it had an army. So, in fact, it had an army that had really quite a proud tradition. 
And yet in that moment realized that it was hopelessly, absolutely, utterly, totally unprepared for modern warfare and was just annihilated within days. And I guess whenever we have thought back to that, we have sometimes thought, you, you, you can sometimes think that you're ready, but you're actually just fooling yourself. You can think that you're ready, but you're just fooling yourself. And as we come to this passage here in Ephesians chapter 6, I think Paul is wanting to dig into us and saying, so are you really ready? Are you really ready for the kind of spiritual warfare that you might, might face? Are we really ready for the kind of spiritual warfare which we might face? And it's a sober topic, and it's one that Paul, I guess, felt quite acutely. Let's, let's remember this, this letter is written while Paul is, is in, a, in a jail. He's based in, in Rome. And he's been arrested, and he's writing to the churches. So in a certain sense, he's been sidelined. But as he's there, he's, he's the kind of prisoner you would usually think that, that the Roman army wouldn't worry too much about. I mean, it's not as though he was a violent person. He isn't there because he had caused some kind of an uprising or he was some military commander. He's there because he was a preacher of a different kind of a message. But Paul notes that as he's kept in change, as in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 20, we're told that he's God's ambassador in chains. Uh, he notices, however, that, that the Roman military who are there and the soldiers who are there are always fully prepared, fully alert, fully ready for something that, that might go wrong. And they don't come in kind of half-dressed or half-prepared. They're, they're always there. They've always got kind of their sword there, and they've got their breastplate in place, and they've, they, they're just ready and prepared for anything that might actually take place. And, and you can imagine Paul sitting there in this Roman prison, and as he's there, he's thinking, what do we need as a church in the very trying times which might face us? And let's face it, for the early church, it was a period of about 250 years of persecution that lay ahead. That's a pretty tough gig, 250 years of persecution lying ahead. And he writes this passage. And it's not a jokey kind of a passage. It's a passage that's really quite serious. And he says, be ready for the kind of warfare which you might face. Jesus has changed everything for you. But nevertheless, there, there is a battle going on. And it's been waged in a realm that is actually beyond this world. And it's a spiritual realm. And it's a realm where you're not always going to see everything that the enemy throws at you. But take heart. God has given you armor with which to equip yourself. It can be okay. And so he writes and he tells us, finally, I've written all this in this letter, but I'm wanting to say to you, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Do not try to live faith in your own strength, because if you do, you will not succeed. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, 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 let me make just a few kind of introductory comments on that. Uh, and when Paul says, put on the full armor of God, if you, if you go to the Greek, that's, that's what we would call an imperative, and it's a present imperative. So this is something you have to do. Uh, you've got to put on the armor of God. In other words, he's not talking about something that you must understand a concept. It's actually an action that is required. And it's an action that is required, in every, it's present, so it's in every present moment. You've got to check yourself, am I standing in the armor of God. In other words, to be absolutely practical, are you in the armor of God today? Am I in the armor of God today? 
And, and, and I guess Paul's line of thinking, and this may sound like a silly example, but, but let's just imagine that in a moment of madness, uh, you decide to stroll naked down the street. No, don't, don't, don't think about it too much, but uh, it's, it's too horrible a thought, but anyway. Right. So, 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 so you do that, and, and, and you get arrested for that, and you go up to the magistrate, and your defense is this. But I was wearing clothes on Monday, and I was wearing clothes on Wednesday, and I was wearing clothes on Thursday, and I was wearing clothes on Friday. You know, it was just Tuesday that I was naked. You, you, you know, so what's your big problem? I usually wear clothes. I mean, the, the, the magistrate's not going to be impressed. He's going to say, listen, you're always ugly in that state, so just always stay closed, certainly in public places. Uh, you, you know, you've got to put on your armor all the time. And I think Paul's saying this, you, you do not know when the particular day of battle is going to come. Therefore, be prepared in every present moment. It's not something that, 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 that you say, you know, every now and then I'll put my armor to see that I can still fit into it, that I haven't grown too large, or that, you know, it still fits in some way. He's actually saying you've got to be ready right now because action could happen right now. So that's the first thing. It's something that's got to be done in the present moment. Second thing which he says is put on the full armor of God, the full armor of God. In other words, he's saying there, there, are, there are things which God has given us to help us in the spiritual warfare in which we face ourselves, but you cannot be selective about what you choose. And as he runs through the list, things like the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the scriptures, I think he's saying to us, you, you, you can't go into battle and say, okay, well, I've got the gospel of peace, that, that, that's great, and I've got the, 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 the belt of truth, that's very nice, but the sword of the spirit, you know, the word of God, I don't really need that, I don't really need to know the scriptures, because that's not the full armor of God. So, so if you try to, to fight a battle, but you don't have everything that you need, you, you're not going to be protected, and you're not going to be able to be as effective as you should be. And I guess Paul, I don't know if he was thinking this or not, but uh, certainly in his time, one of the stories that was so very famous was the story which we might have heard as well, uh, the stories of Achilles. And do you remember how in Greek mythologies, Achilles is, is taken by his mother and is dipped into a river. And as he's dipped into that, that, that river, that river kind of covers him in this, this wonderful protection so that, that when he goes into battle, he's absolutely protected. But what was the trouble for Achilles? Do you, do you remember? Uh, as he gets dipped in, his mother can't just drop him in the river because he would have drowned. So she's got to hold him. She holds him by his heels and dips him in the river. And that means that there's just that one tiny little spot there that where his mother's fingers are, are grasping onto him that his heel isn't covered. And ultimately, if you know the story, and you probably do, when Achilles finally goes into battle, he's killed because of his Achilles heel, that little spot there. And the archer's arrow manages to find its way there. And he's vulnerable, not in any, every point, but just at one little point, he's vulnerable. And that's his demise. And perhaps it's something like that that Paul is thinking of. He's saying, you might be quite well equipped, but don't think that because generally it's okay, it's okay. Check that you're wearing the full armor of God. Put everything on. In other words, take seriously your vulnerabilities. We, we live in an age which teaches us, you're only human, you're only human. Don't worry too much about it. I mean, everyone, so you're bad-tempered, well, that's okay. In other ways, you're really quite a nice person, it's just you're bad-tempered. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter that you're selfish, or it doesn't really matter that you're proud, or it doesn't really matter that you, whatever it might be. And this actually says, no, no, actually be careful. It is the full armor of God that you need. And it means that you must actually make sure that you 
you put on the belt of truth and you, you put on the helmet of salvation and that you take the sword of the spirit and you take up the shield of faith and that you do not leave any of those behind. Put on the full armor of God. And that's the third thing which he tells us. This is actually God's armor. It's not our own. We're not left in this battle somehow to fight everything uh, simply by ourselves. And because it's God's armor, I need to recognize that actually this is not something that I do on my own. You see, the tenor of what I've been saying so far could have given us this kind of a feeling. I must do this. And yes, there is a part in which I must do this, but I need to recognize that God in grace has come to me. And that, in fact, a great deal of his armor is, in fact, all the things which we've been given in Jesus. So, so I put in a belt of truth, and I put in a breastplate of righteousness, but, but these are all gifts which come to me from Christ. In other words, I do not manufacture the armor myself. I'm protected not because I am strong, I'm protected because God is strong. And so actually as I go and out and as all kinds of things might come and swipe at me in whatever direction, I'm able to stand because God makes me strong. Now, now this is a wonderful uh, antidote to pride. It's a wonderful antidote to fear. It's a wonderful antidote to just giving up altogether. I mean, if it were up to us, we'd have to run away. But God is bigger and God is stronger and God is able to give us the strength which we need. Fourth thing. Paul tells us that we must put on the full armor of God so that in the day of trouble, that when the day of trouble comes, we will be able to stand. And and I want you to notice his language. His language is not if the day of trouble comes. You know, put on the full full armor of God because there is a remote possibility that something might happen. There's There's just an outside chance that you could be surprised by an attack that you did not anticipate. No, so that when the day of trouble comes, not if the day of trouble comes. In other words, Paul says that if you are genuinely following Jesus, it is inevitable. It is inevitable. It is inevitable that at some point you will face spiritual attack. Now, now let me say this very seriously. Spiritual attack can sometimes come to individuals, but it can also come to groups as well. And for us as Kerry, as a group of followers of Jesus, it would be remarkably naive, it would be pathetically naive, to think that we as a community would never come under spiritual attack. God has been extraordinarily good to us as a group. And we've been able to build up a missional platform that really is quite significant. And there are not many places in the city or in this country, even around the world, that have as many opportunities as we do. I'm not saying none do, but it really is quite up there. I mean, we have contact with several thousand families. We have this task of being the spiritual oversight for this Canning Vale, Southern River, Harrisdale area. That's no small calling. And if we are to assume that Satan is completely disinterested in what we're doing, and that, 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 that he will simply step back and say, oh, I couldn't be bothered with that, that rinky-dinky little thing, and nothing's going to happen there, that's remarkably naive. So, of course, we are going to come under attack. Of course, we are going to come under attack. And to some extent, if you sign up to be part of Kerry, you, you, you are saying, listen, I'm fit for the battle. I'm, I'm ready for this. And, and I will be standing guard. And I will recognize that that the attack can come both from without and within. And sometimes when we actually are the people of God, we find that, 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 that the battle that comes within is sometimes the harder one. And that we will be watching out for that and that we will put on the full armor of God. So that comes the day of trouble, we will be able to stand and we will be able to be there for God. Now, 
Having said that, let's then look at some of the particular things that, 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 that Paul says to us. And as he speaks about putting on the armor of God, we're not going to be able to get through it all today, but perhaps you can in your own time. But Paul says this, our struggle is not, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. First thing, the belt of truth. Now, now, Paul, when he thinks of the belt of truth, would have been looking at, uh, at the Roman soldiers who were there guarding him in prison, and he would have noticed that in a Roman soldier's armor, uh, the belt was there, uh, you had a tunic, the belt went through, held the tunic in place, there was a breastplate, the belt held that in place, you would have a scabbard which held, held the sword, uh, that was, was put over, over, over the belt as well. In fact, the belt was the thing that really held everything together. If you're beltless, uh, then things can really fall apart. I, I used to be principal of Rosebank Bible College back in South Africa many, many decades ago and uh, taught a course in public speaking. And uh, in that course, I can remember once we, I, we spoke about the importance of having really good beginnings that would capture an audience's interest. And I can remember one of the students, Raymond, once uh, coming up and standing up, and as he stood up to begin to speak, uh, kind of the class just gave this collective gasp because as he stood up, he started to undo his, his belt, and he had these really baggy pants on. And as he undid the belt, the pants just fell down. And mercifully, he had some bathers on underneath. Uh, and, and as he did that, he then said to the class, now that I have your attention, let me speak to you about catching the world's attention. Uh, and I thought, Raymond, this is fine, but please do not do that to any of the churches where our donors are. I just... It wrecked this place, absolutely. Anyway, I think he, 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 he did kind of make this point that, that a belt holds things together. And Paul's first point is that, that knowing the truth, the truth of what we stand for is, is the starting point. That if we, if, we, if we start to think, for example, as, as in fact one of the spiritual struggles which we have today is that there is this myth that goes out, out, out in the world that the truth doesn't matter. In fact, the truth doesn't really exist. That it's fine if you're a religious person, because in the end, all religions are true because actually they're all equally untrue. That, that truth is a non-category. And if you want to believe something, well, believe it, but truth doesn't really matter. I beg your pardon, that, that's devastatingly dangerous. Because if you believe that actually nothing is actually true, then nothing must really be adhered to. Everything is optional. Everything is optional if nothing is actually true. And so, so we need to recognize that there are, are key truths that we hold to in, in the Christian faith. And, and what are they? Well, I couldn't possibly run through them all today, but, but just so we get three of the really big ones. I mean, one of those key truths is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. Uh, you know, that is such a profound building fundamental truth because there are two views of the world which you can have you can have a view of the world which says God isn't you can have a view of the world which says this is an accidental universe you can have a view of the world that says you know this happened just as a result of chance there's no real intentionality behind everything and if you believe that your life will go in one direction but if you believe this truth that in the beginning God 
God is. God is a reality. God does exist. And this God is a creative God who made us and who makes us for a purpose. And he wants us to be in relationship with him. Well, you build your life in a radically different way. That's, that's building block number one of the truth. And so we go out into this world as people who in fact have this as this holding truth. God is, God is real. God is in charge of this universe. God has created. We are ultimately accountable to God. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This good God made everything, made everything wonderfully well. But we have all rebelled against him in one way or another. And we all fall short of God's glory. And therefore, the third great fundamental verse that we hold on to, if we've got to radically reduce everything, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. The three fundamental truths. Now, now I'm not wanting to say that that sums up everything that Christianity teaches because it doesn't. But if you, if, if you just say, listen, I need a radical understanding of, of the really big things, those three things do them. God is, God has created. We have rebelled, but God in love has reached out to us through Jesus that we can find life all over again. Hold on to that truth because everything holds together in that. That God is and we can relate to him and that our lives are radically different as a result of that. Hold on to the belt of truth. Paul then speaks about a breastplate of righteousness. And so as we go on through the passage, he says to us, put on the full armor of God. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, now it's worth noting that one. I mean, for, if you were a Roman soldier, uh, you would view your, your breastplate as being your heart protector. It was made of bronze and it, it covered your chest, basically. And if we're told that it's the breastplate of righteousness that needs to be in place, we might erroneously think that Paul is saying, you must be a righteous person. And when we hear, you must be a righteous person, perhaps you might think, I must be a self-righteous person. But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, put on something that is not you. Put on something that is not naturally you. Put on the righteousness of God because it is God's armor we put on. In other words, stand in the righteousness that you have because of Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. And, and why is that important? Because as you go out into battle, you will find that the forces of evil will try to annihilate you, will try to wipe you out by saying to you over and over and over again, who do you think you are? I mean, what kind of person are you? I mean, don't you know about all your shortcomings? And don't you remember when? And that, that accusing voice will come to you over and over and over again. And it's at that point that we need to recognize we stand in the righteousness of Jesus. And that we are righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. It is not because of what we've done ourselves. And that means that we are people who are always called to a radical humility. Did we save ourselves? Absolutely not. Why are we in the right with God? We're in the right with God because of what Jesus has done for us, because of what Jesus, because of Jesus. And the breastplate of righteousness forever reminds us of that. 
The third thing, and it's the last one I want to talk about, just talk about it fairly briefly, is that we're told to take up the shield of faith, the shield of faith. Now, Roman shields were usually made from two pieces of wood, and they were glued together, and they were then bound around with linen and, and with hide, and they would soak the hide in water. And they would do that because quite often out in battle, uh, people, archers would fire little darts, and they would have been dipped in bitumen and tar, and they would be set alight. And so if you had a shield that was soaked, uh, then the moisture in the hide would help to put out those flaming darts. And the Roman army, when it fought, uh, the individual soldier would have his shield. But one of the great and real strengths of the Roman army was that when it went out, its soldiers would go out together, and they would go out in a very uniform way, so that you would have your shield here, but the next soldier's shield would be there, and the next one would be there, and you'd just have this, this long line which would be impenetrable. And if you were under attack, for example, uh, from above, if maybe you were attacking a castle of sorts, and the wall was very high, and maybe the archers were shooting down on you, together you would put up your shields, and together your, your individual shield, if you were just on your own, you might be left a little bit vulnerable. But because all those shields were there, you would be covered and you would be protected. And so when Paul speaks about taking up the shield of faith, he's actually saying, this is something that you must do, but you must do it collectively, and we must do it together. And actually, it's quite remarkable how, how, how a, a faith community can really take up the shield of faith together and, and achieve sometimes some remarkable things. Well, what, what do I mean? I've, I've been involved with churches for, for a long time now, and I've been involved quite often in programs where churches have say, had, had a building program. I'm thinking of one particular building program that, 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 that I was involved in back in Stellenbosch. And as we were contemplating this building program, the church didn't have terribly much money, and it, it took a real step of faith to say, will we be able to afford this? And to tell you the truth, I think that if any one person had had to say, you, you know, we're going to do this, it's going to be okay, I, I don't know that anyone would have had enough faith to do it. But somehow it was a, something about faith working collectively that helped to protect us, so that when, when one person was doubtful, another would be strong in faith. And, and for Kerry, if you know something of the, of the Kerry story, of how a group of about 30 people got together to start a school in an area where really it wasn't populated at all. Now, now that took a lot of faith. And, and if as individuals people just stood there, they would have had days when they were wavering and they would have given way. But, but, but the whole point of the shield of faith is that, that when you're wavering, there is someone else who's there and they help you to hold on to the faith. And, and it was like that, that when we started Forestdale all over again. There were many moments as there were just so many obstacles. Where in fact, our faith started to waver. And, and at an individual level, it stood back. I know I sometimes stood back and thought, oh, my goodness, what have we committed ourselves to here? One of this is actually going to come off. God, you've come through in the past. Please don't let us be the first generation for whom you have not come through. Uh, and, 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 and when you hit those moments, when you hit those moments, it's wonderful that there are other people who are there. And their faith is strong at those times. And so what Paul is saying is, as a community... Stand fast. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid at all because actually you have a shield of faith. And faith is about that, that stepping out into the unknown. And if you've got to step out into the unknown alone, perhaps you'll find that too hard and too difficult to do. But if you do that in community, you'll find that actually you might go to territories which you never otherwise dreamed possible. You may say, Brian, interesting. But I'm not sure what this means for me. Not sure what this means for me. I think it means 
that as we, as we want to grow in Jesus, as we say, actually, I want to be a person, not just who kind of thinks that faith is a nice thing, but I'm, I want to be a person who actually counts for the kingdom of God. You need to just breathe in deeply. Ask yourself this question. Is it okay for me to come under attack? Because you will. And if you say, yep, I'm up for this, then say, and am I up to really developing the spiritual disciplines? Like scripture, for example, which is the sword of the spirit. It is the way that I'll make progress. You know, it's actually not enough for me to say, it's not okay for me to say, well, I'm not really a reader, thank you very much. So I'll, I'll leave out the, 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 the scriptures. Or the helmet of salvation, uh, am I someone who just says, you, you know, I'm okay, but I don't want to ever have to speak to someone about Jesus. Thank you very much. No, no, no that's, that's, that's part of what it means. Am, am I up for this? And if I say I'm up for it, then let me recognize that I'm part of a community together. And that together we can be people who are not only equipped for battle, but people who are invited to battle. And people who, who have the enormous privilege of seeing the kingdom of God move forward one step after another, after another. Don't forget that this letter is a prison letter. Paul is writing, as he calls himself, a prisoner for the Lord. And as he's there, and as he sees Roman soldiers go past where he is day after day, fully equipped for their battles, he realizes that he is in a battle. And that for a temporary period of time, he has been imprisoned. And he's paying that price for it. And notice this. At no point, at no point, at no point does he say, and it's not worth it. I mean, he could easily have said, written this letter and said, by the way, you know, it's very costly to follow Jesus. Think long and hard. I'm having second, third, and fourth thoughts about it now that I'm here in prison. I would much prefer to be at the jacuzzi, thank you very much. You know, I'm not liking it here. The food is rotten, and people are extraordinarily rude to me. I mean, he, he could have said that, but he doesn't. There's something about what he's doing that says, even though I see that the price is sometimes quite high, and let's remember, though, though it wasn't on this imprisonment, but it was on a later imprisonment that Paul is actually beheaded for his faith. So, so, so the stakes are genuinely serious, serious. Paul nevertheless says, this is totally, totally, totally worth it. Put on the full armor of God, and if you do, he will help you to stand in the day of trouble. He will help you to stand when that trouble comes. He will help you to stand for that which is significant. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But don't be trite. Don't be light about it. Faith is not a, just an optional extra. If for you it's just an optional extra, comes the day of trouble, you will be blown away oh so very quickly. But if you say instead, Jesus, you are my everything, you have saved me, you have rescued me, you've made me whole. Then the full armor of God is there, waiting for you to put it on. Put it on and stand in good days and in bad. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that though you call us to battle, you do not leave us unprepared. Thank you that you give us your armor. Thank you that we stand in the righteousness that comes from you and from you alone. Thank you that when we fail, we find that you are strong. 
Help us to take the battle that you've called us to seriously and help us to live for you, be the days good or be they hard. In your name, amen.